It's always so exciting. <laughs> Welcome to Las Doctoras Podcast, featuring your favorite profas bringing women and gender studies topics out of the university and onto the kitchen table. I'm Christina, Chicana, Panay, queer, Sha, Aya, traveler, earth, mama, bruja. I'm Renee, Mexicana, Tejana, Chicana, she, her, Aya, mama, bruja, scholar, and scribe. Together, we are the academic and word brujas creating revolutionary spaces outside the walls of the ivory tower to cast spells, read the ancient texts, and tell our sacred stories. We make this magic as an offering to our ancestors, to those who will come after us, and for the change we wish to see in the world. Salud! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. We are in episode 51. Gosh, I can't believe in the 50. That seems really important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, episode, I mean, season five. So we're here with an amazing guest. Um, We're just an honor. I'm trying to think this season. Oh, yeah, we've had, I think, one other guest, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been mm-hmm. it's been an interesting season. Anyway, so we're glad to have this we're guest. We're just going with the flow. We're 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 listening. We're we're dropping into curiosity <laughs> and into guidance. Yes, trusting, trusting. Um, and that leads us here. Right, yes, right here. Um, mm-hmm. So we're gonna go ahead and just turn it over to our guests. Have them introduce themselves. Um, and we are excited for whatever magic this conversation brings us. So welcome, Minachi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, hi, everybody. My name is Minachi. Um, my pronouns are she, her. Currently, I'm on Ohlone land, but my people are from Sri Lanka. So my family is from Jaffna, which is the northernmost area of the island. Um, and then my astrology things fun little insights (laughs) (laughs) big 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 cancer sun energy on the cusp of leo very oh me too i think (laughs) it shows it shines (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, Capricorn rising, Sagittarius moon. And then what I have found, I think my cap rising is really important and my cancer sun, but more importantly than my moon is my Virgo is in Venus and precision, precision, precision. (laughs) Yeah. Super, super much. Mm -hmm. Do you think Venus has, says something about like love language? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like touch, uh, like the earthiness of the Virgo and things, you know, maybe some... That's it, because Venus is the, is love, right? Is the planet yeah. of love. So Connection. it just dawned on me, like, that could say mm-hmm. something about, about our love language. But anyway. <laughs> You're thinking of some specific examples. No, no, no. <laughs> is it Venus and Virgo? Yeah. Oh, of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> I feel like Marie Kondo, too, there's something like 
there's a there's a thing about yeah. I'm like, hold on, I'm gonna check where my Venus is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I could just when you said that, I'm like, my Venus is in Gemini. Oh, Ooh. Gemini rising. This is maybe Ooh. some of the okay, 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 okay. That Capricorn mm-hmm. rising though, that's beautiful too. I so just... wait, when's your birthday then? Mm. July twentieth. Oh, mine's July nineteenth. Oh, how Hello. lovely! I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. so sweet. Of course, your cancers. <laughs> I love. I just mm. so. You're all so, what is it, Hufflepuffy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we should start asking. What's your Hogwarts <laughs> Oh, what a beautiful introduction. Thank you so much for honoring us with your presence here and, um, yeah, all your patience. Yeah. Um, I think one more thing as part of your introduction is just mm. tell us, like, who you are, what do you mm-hmm. do, what's your work, what's your mm. – as Howdy, as yeah. Um, as June would say, what's your story medicine? <laughs> <laughs> Love some did. June. I know. <laughs> um, my magic and my work is kind of in two realms, which for me very much dovetail together. Mm-hmm. One is nonviolent communication, um, specifically with like a decolonial trauma-informed lens. How are we talking? What are the words that we're using? Um, and weaving both within our own bodies and then within the collective body. And then family constellation therapy, which came into my life in 2017 as a modality for really clearing out intergenerational gunk that's in the nervous system. Um, Because all of that stuff, you know, it also shapes how we talk to ourselves and it shapes how we talk to each other. So Mm -hmm. those are my areas of medicine and magic. Mm-hmm. Mm. I attended one of your happy hours in the last few weeks and um, just this, it was an hour. Actually, I would think I was a little late, actually, just 45 minutes. And it was just super grounding and, and altering. Like I can feel the neurons in my brain, like shifting mm-hmm. just within that time frame. So I think um, what you bring is a gift. Thank yeah. You. And I think we wanted to kind of establish for our listeners. I'm like, I don't know if we've ever directly spoke to nonviolent mm. communication. I mean, we did an episode with with Leslie, you know, mm-hmm. of Latinx Parenting. So obviously so much of her work is grounded in this. But mm-hmm. um, I think for us, obviously it was through parenting that we came um, to nonviolent communication. Uh, I think our investment, well, I'll say, I, mm-hmm. I know you have your story, but I think for me it was n- seeing the way that my parents parented me and the good and the bad and really wanting to do something different. Mm. Um, And, and then I just thought it was that easy, right? I thought, Oh, it's as easy as saying, I don't want to do it like that. And then when I became a parent realizing, Oh, (laughs) it's not that easy when that's all, you know, Uh when that's the default Uh and it's been the default for so many generations. Uh So it kind of led me on this path of figuring out, a new way to mm-hmm. parent, first of all, and then realizing mm-hmm. that so much of parenting is really about like self-parenting mm-hmm. and and also like commune, like, you know, even I took, you know, Leslie's course and so much of what she said was like, you know, this is more just more than just about how we communicate with our kids, but how we communicate like with each other. Mm-hmm. Um and then again, recognizing 
that so much of the default communication styles are remnants of colonization. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. oh, even more so I'm invested in doing something different. And that being said, and I think something you'll speak to as well, Christina, is in our trying to practice nonviolent communication, I think a, a couple of challenges always come up. One is there's still that default, right? There's still that like colonial default that is hard to unlearn. And when we do practice nonviolent communication with people who are <laughs> not necessarily invested in that, it creates mm. a, a, some resistance, right? Like it's hard mm. for us. Like we're, mm. we're trying to resist our own like colonial, you know, like inner voice and trying to do our best to, you know, lead with empathy and lead with, um, you know, yeah, nonviolent communication. And then when we don't receive that back, mm. oh, it gets really, it gets really, really challenging for us. But maybe that's where we can maybe like kind of vision for, this is my conclusion to this essay that we're writing today <laughs> is <laughs> we can expand into what then, you know, where do we go then, you know, but yeah, um, I came into nonviolent communication in 2009. I was living on a farm with four other women and we were doing community, um, you know, work together, both internally and externally. Um, I had just left an abusive marriage um, and it gave me um, some giraffes and, and some jackals, some different ways to understand um, the violence I had experienced in my life and ways to um um, speak to my needs. And um, later on, maybe with Leslie, but I think even before I met Leslie, I met my friend Suzanne, who was at one of um, one of your um, your lessons, one of your classes up in the Pacific Northwest. And she was saying, oh, nonviolent, you know, um, decolonizing nonviolent communication. She was like an awe about how it meant much more than um, the uh, was it Rosenberg who, who are the who are, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so much more that um sh when she brought up you know um someone saying like your kids need I don't know better clothes or something like better jackets you know the decolonial nonviolent response would be like well please pay for them then you know like a, like please c contribute um to an equitable situation here you know in order for us to move forward and I think that that lens in your book, book, yeah, we have to, we'll put that into the the notes and everything like that have been revolutionary for me and taking me into my life now. And yes, I have had conversations with people where I've tried to use um, this, a, a nonviolent approach, um, and it has met up, up with a big wall. And so mm -hmm. I have just heard that and like, and then, and let that be, and then walked into mm -hmm. a different, into a different place. <laughs> With my child, it has brought up, right, the colonial perspective, this binary one where we are somehow better than our children. Mm -hmm. And that is much more of an internal process. And it is a beautiful one, but it is uh, maybe the hardest, uh, hardest work I've ever done in my life. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, no, I, if, it's for sure. I, I laugh because I'm just going through all the all the memories mm -hmm. that I've had to 
encounter with my kid, right? Like, yeah, there's nothing like I thought I had done some work. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> my youngest, especially, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I, I've still got some work to do, <laughs> which mm -hmm. I think is, you know, all part of the plan. Um, but I think that, you know, sharing our experiences and we'd love to hear from you. One, I think, again, there's so much talk about nonviolent communication, but I think people get, there's a lot of misconceptions also mm -hmm. around like, and people misunderstanding, you know, gentle parents, like there's just all this terminology and sometimes things get co-opted, things get watered down, like things get all mixed up and we'd love to hear your definition. And I think specifically the way in which you talk about decolonizing mm -hmm. nonviolent communication and what it is that you mean by that. Mm, okay. So many good questions. <laughs> so many. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I'll start by telling, sharing my origin story of like how, you know. Um, so my people are, were Tamil. Um, and three days after I was born, I wasn't born in our homeland. I was actually, I joke a lot because I was born in England, which was like our last colonizer of yeah. Sri Lanka. Um, but Three days after I was born, our home country burst into a civil war because my people wanted a separate homeland because of the ethnic strife and safety and so many other things that were happening there. Um, and in 2002, there was a ceasefire. Um, and there were kind of like, we had almost, we did have, um, there was a de facto state, you know what I mean? Like the, the rebels had gotten a certain area that was our yeah. own homeland and and then there was the greater Sri Lankan nation um these are all really weird words I don't some of like language right we don't even have I don't even have the language what do we yeah. if we're like wanting to say that the state doesn't yeah it's yeah. like yeah yeah so there was a ceasefire and so a lot of people who were living in the diaspora were going home uh, right because it was the first time in so long mm -hmm. that people had we were able to go home in in like a safe mm -hmm. way and see just see people. So I was home for the Christmas holiday. Um, and my amma, who is my mother, had told me that there was a woman in Berkeley who was doing a fundraiser because she was going to move back to Sri Lanka. She was Sri Lankan Tamil. She was going to move back home and she wanted to go teach nonviolent communication. And both Amma and I were like, we don't know what that thing is, but we got to find out who this woman is. <laughs> who are you? Like, join your team, you know, whatever. Um, so her name is Jayanthi Siva, and I call her Jayanthi Akka, which means big sister. Um, mm. And she's been a really big part, like a really transformative person in both mine and my Amma's life and also in her in our personal relationship, because mm -hmm. for both me and my mother, it was the first time that either of us had access to thinking about how does, like, what are these needs and feelings and how are we talking to each other mm -hmm. and why are we talking to each other in certain particular ways? Um, and I think, I feel like I'm rambling, but I think the place where I'm trying to go is that <laughs> like, <laughs> one, I feel really lucky that I got introduced to this modality through someone from my homeland who has yeah. a cultural context and has a much broader understanding of what violence means. Um, two, over the course of many years, because Jayanthiaka was living in Ceylon um, for like, um, I don't know, for, for 
well over a decade. Um, so Amma and I both got to go back a lot and do NVC work with her there, you know, again, like with our people and doing mm. all of that stuff. Um, and so Jayanthiak was the one who introduced me to the concept of decolonizing it because the way nonviolent communication was set up in the U.S. and the kind of formulaic methodology of it just didn't translate. It didn't work. And it didn't also match the context of what our community, what our peoples actually needed and how we needed to go into language and healing tools. Um, so I think, A, that's a little bit of, the, of how I got into it. And then in terms of like, you know, what I always say when I teach um, is this stuff is really here. When I offer, it's like for you, for, for me to understand and for me to assess Am I speaking in a way that meets my definition of nonviolence, not to change or alter your definition of nonviolence, not to alter or change anything that you are doing, but am I meeting my own needs and values and definitions? And for mm. me, my definitions of nonviolence. We're like trying to yeah, take more <laughs> We both, we both looked at the pen and paper. We're like, okay, some. Right, because if we're operating from the premise that everybody is always doing the best they can and everybody is always trying to meet their own needs, I don't think anybody ever. Very rarely. I mean, obviously there are people who are trying to enact harm and that's a little bit different, but most times people think that they are doing something that's for the best, even when it is drastically not for the best. So if I can understand that as like a baseline principle, mm -hmm. then it's up to me to have be kind of like, how do I want to show up in this dynamic? And that often means A, centering my authenticity. Um, so I know that I like, right now I'm kind of in this kind of interview and I have I have like my facility what I call my facilitator voice which can be kind of very soft and gentle <laughs> you know? but like sometimes the most nonviolent thing is to say fuck off I don't want to deal with you like because it's not about what is it that it's not that these words this list of words or this box of words or this behavior is inherently violent it's what is the context and are you showing up as you want to show up and I think you know, lastly, yesterday, a colleague and I were um, were working with the, um, um, an Indigenous harm reduction team here in Turtle Island to bring some NVC skills into, like, to just, and they already know what they're doing, you know what I mean? But a lot of times it's like we don't have the language to even articulate what it is that mm. we're doing so that we can mm -hmm. intentionally choose it. But it really tends to come back to, can I speak in a way that honors my dignity and can I speak in a way that honors, you know, it's like, can I speak in a way that holds both of our dignity or in trying to speak in a way that honors your dignity? Am I required to sacrifice my own sense of self-worth or my own sense of dignity? And if that answer is yes, then maybe I need to step away from this conversation. Yeah. Maybe I don't actually have the capacity, right, to show up to this conversation. But it's the idea that like, when we can talk to each other, when my dignity is intact enough, how do I then show up? What a question to ask <laughs> ourselves, honestly. And it, it just, I think, actually, I can see why it would lead into family constellation or it would lead into like a, a larger story because that feels, actually, I'm kind of overwhelmed by that. Can I speak? I, 
I was, I was thinking, you know, I think Christine and I have experienced multiple different situations where we've been trying to do our best to lead with, you know, nonviolent communication. And I think the way that you're framing it here, like, I'm like, man, I get it. Like there, there's, because the the idea of how can I speak in a way that honors my dignity or holds both our dignity and that if my dignity is not intact, then then I don't even need to be here, right? Like then I don't need to give it. it it's actually, <clears throat> and it has me thinking about nonviolence actually means nonviolence to ourselves, right? Like we shouldn't be trying, We that should be the number one thing is like, how are we going to be in this space without harming our own self? And which reframes a lot of the ways interactions that we've had with people that we should have probably the 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 least violent thing to have done would have been to leave mm. a lot sooner than continuously trying to yeah do something that was me that was being met with resistance and that that's the tricky part because you like there's this I know in me I the cancer in me wants to like give everybody a chance and give everybody the benefit of the doubt and if they just you know understood and when I when it keeps getting hit with a wall it, it gets it's harder for, I think you see it a lot sooner than I do but well, um mm. but that just reframes so many things I should disclose it my Mars is in cancer I just want to say that <laughs> I don't, I don't know <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I, some read it as passive aggressive. Some read it as hmm. like we can, we can move like a crab in multiple spaces. And I do. There have been times when we've had um, encounters with someone who is not interested, you know, and I've been like, I'm out. Yeah. You know, like, but I think knowing that dignity, knowing what dignity feels like in the body, I, I, I still think I stay, I stay too long in spaces where I am not honored. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the violence, you know, like mm -hmm. there is something like my wounded self or my, you know, survivor self is, 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 is actively harming, you know, judging, harming, violent, you know, like myself. And I, I, we are moving more and more into not into stepping into safe space, brave space within, you know, I think yeah. we are actively doing that and we're doing it together in so many ways. Yeah. So that's really wonderful. Yeah. But I just appreciate dignity. this, this framing of, I think it defines even what violence is. Right. And then how so much of, yeah, it's like, what's the, like almost like martyrdom, right. Where we feel like we have to, I don't know. It's the internal gendered. It's just that internalized, right? Mm -hmm. That internalized violence, almost that internalized harm, where we feel like oh, we have to kind of sacrifice ourselves, you know, for whatever it it be, um, mm. and that ultimately, you know, it's our dignity. Shit, <laughs> it seems so simple. <laughs> Um, but there's a, a straw. Uh, like there's well, like we're talking astrology, but there's also the gendered violence. There is yeah. the racialized violence, minoritization. You know, of uh, in different ways. I mean, there's. It's yeah. not not just us. No, no, no. And it's it's macro and micro. You know, it's all the things. Um, but so I love that, and I think that being said, then like you said, what? How does? 
maybe that come into play and you can tell us more about your work with family constellation therapy. We'd love to hear about that. So juicy. Okay. So (laughs) first to like loop back a little, what there was something. Oh yeah. It's this piece around like, I have done and said things that I am not proud of. And that for Mm. me, I do define as those were violent actions and violent behaviors on my part. I've also stayed in situations where it the result was then violence was enacted upon me or I experienced things that were not healthy or good for me. And I think that, um, one, it's a question of capacity. Um, and I, as you were talking about, like, dignity and almost like there's this energy of, like, duh, how obvious. But And also, if, like, you've been denied access to having your needs for dignity met, there's a scarcity that sets in of, like, not actually believing that I can get my needs for dignity met anywhere else or not actually trusting that I can get my needs met in any other dynamic, that this is the only type of relationship that's accessible or available to me, like that this is the only container, this is the only space. Like, Because I think in order to actually take ourselves out of a relationship or a situation that isn't working, we have to believe that something else exists. And if you've never experienced something else, then how the hell are you going to, you know, it's kind of like that crisis of imagination. I mean, I feel like in those moments, it's really, it's like, I don't know. I've been, I mean, I've been there. You've probably been there. We've all been there. I don't know what exists outside of this Mm -hmm. space, but it has to be better. Mm. Like, I can't even imagine it, but I know that this can't be all that there is. Mm. You know, it was like this leap of faith to step in. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Capacity. That's a keyword, and we were talking word. just about this yesterday. Keyword, keyword. Mm-hmm. Look, we're like on the stoop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I watched. Anyways, I've been watching old shows. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for me, constellation work has come in to build capacity and to, to build capacity for dreaming and build capacity for believing. Because so for folks who are unfamiliar, family constellation therapy is a somatic modality. Um, It is um, Zulu in its origin. And then a German missionary named Bert Hellinger came, studied, uh, lived in South Africa for 16 years, and then created his own version of this ancestral healing modality, which then got called family constellation therapy. Um, And a lot of what we're doing with that work is we're looking at like, what is a pattern in an individual person's life that keeps repeating? And then if there's a stuckness or something that keeps looping, chances are it's related to something intergenerational that hasn't been held or healed. And I, like the very first time I was in a family constellation, um, I represented someone who had caused a lot of harm within the family, like, really horrific harm. And by the end of the constellation, um, I remember being so apologetic and um, Mm. I think so terrified of how much harm I had created. And, And I don't remember the experience of like, you know, the person who was receiving that constellation, that experience was their own, but 
but for me, one of the big takeaways was it like it was the first time that, you know, we all know that hurt people hurt people, mm -hmm. but like to actually feel it in your body and to be like, oh, the shit that went down really wasn't about me. For me, constellation work like takes me into that space of actually mm -hmm. feeling in my body that other people's shit isn't about me. Mm -hmm. And then that gives me more space to be present, whether it's with the stuff of mine that needs healing or if I want to choose to be present with somebody else, maybe where there's been impact right because there's more spaciousness if I really trust that it's not about me and if I'm not internalizing it there's some things I feel like you've said that and I've experienced your the the constellation process but um and Renee hasn't so I would yeah. love a little description of yeah I was just about the, to ask the like role walk us through yeah yeah, yeah yeah okay <laughs> It's hard. It's hard. It's like trying to describe the ocean to someone. To someone, <laughs> I've been in the rain. No, it is something else. Um, so, okay. So when I facilitate constellation work, mm -hmm. one, there's a really broad definition of family. The air is our family. The wood is our family. You don't need to know your blood lineage in order to be able to access healing through constellation work because family is in the field and it's in the energy around this. Um, we'll always start by asking. So the person who's receiving the work is called the seeker. And we'll ask them, what do you want to receive from this piece of work? What gift would you like to come out of it? And then in terms of like facilitating, I, you can do work one-on-one -on -one or you can do work with a group of people. And it's so beautiful when it's with people because there's always something magic in a collective container. Um, but a person will share something that they want to work on, they want to address, they want to resolve. Like recently, I just finished teaching this series on um, discerning between trauma and intuition. Mm. So we might start, right, by bringing in um, a representative asking someone to come in as a representative, like one representative for Renee and then one representative for Renee's intuition. And what happens in the work, and this is the part that I don't know how to explain, information just starts coming up in the body. People start to feel body sensations. And it's not the same as channeling because sometimes people get messages. I think that kind of depends on people's own gifts and stuff, but mm -hmm. people just feel body sensations. And the number of times when like people have shared their body sensations and then the seeker has been like, oh my gosh, that's exactly how I feel when I'm trying to access my intuition, right? Mm -hmm. And we'll kind of weave through whatever it is that might need to be um, surfaced or held or witnessed mm -hmm. so that the blockages can be released and the person can actually feel connected to whatever it is they want to be connected to or free from whatever it is that they've been mm -hmm. holding right and sometimes like it's a really cool role play I, I mean I don't want to like say yeah, but it's yeah. like role play modality of, of and it kind of different parts I loved how we worked with um, objects um, mm -hmm. in the happy hour that I was a part of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Almost, almost like, yeah, like tarot or almost like that space where, you know, where, um, you know, we hear some music in the background. You're like wondering where yeah. it's coming from. No, um, um, yeah, it's like we do with our writing or the images, but now mm. we're looking at people and conversations and, that the energy in between these um the objects or subjects at play almost yeah yeah it's really it's fun 
Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think it totally makes sense to me. I mean, I'm sitting mm-hmm. here like, shit, I need to do this. <laughs> I was like, maybe we should work with Menachi. Yeah, no, I think I think that anyone's if anyone's familiar with any kind of any any healing modality within this realm, it's going to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. make sense to like like you yeah. said, I understand, you know, like you said it's not necessarily channeling, but along those lines of yeah, the the Mindful body sensations. Intentionally like I'm thinking presence. like breath work kind of stuff, right? Where mm-hmm. you're when you're doing breath work, right? Mm-hmm. Like your body kind of starts to have this reaction right without mm-hmm. knowing right mm-hmm. um yeah tell us more <laughs> mm-hmm. um I think I think I think the way I think of it is just how information is in the field you know like I think about like this desk that I have I have a very I like invested in a desk so that I could feel beautiful at my workspace and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. The truth is there's so many ancestors embedded in this desk. There's so many people from wherever the wood was sourced to where the wood was painted to how it was constructed to like the metal that made the handles, the people who held it while it was shipping. There are so many ancestors who lovingly poured into this desk that enabled it to be a resource for me here while I'm talking to the two of you. So it's like when we tap into the energy that's actually present, information emerges. And I always tell folks like different practitioners have different vibes and like, you know, things you got to find someone who works for you. And like the school of thought I come from and the teachers that I come from is also that we don't have to heal our ancestors' baggage. We can honor our ancestors, right? We can celebrate them. We can remember them. But you're not actually responsible for healing their their trauma. Our ancestors can do their own shit. Um, and so, like, but that's, like, a thing that intellectually, like, maybe we, I don't know, you know what I mean? But, like, in our bodies, we don't always feel that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's bringing me back to something you were talking about with, you know, you were talking about your origin story with nonviolent communication, and it really starting with your mom, and it had me remembering that a lot of the work that I've done for myself around nonviolent communication, yes, a lot of it was with um, my kids and and as a parent, but I would say the majority of my work has been with my mother. <laughs> Um, because I think for so long I held, I, it was, I'm not going to be like my mom, you know, I'm not going to be like my mom. And I, and again, I thought it was that simple so that when I became a parent and realizing it wasn't that simple, it had me have a kind of empathy for my mom in a way that I had never Mm -hmm. had before. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I, I think I, and I didn't see her as human. I saw her as my mother <laughs> and um, and it and it took me to see her as human to have empathy for her mm. that I was able to. And so it's that's been that's really been my lessons, right, is in how I've been able to. Um, and then, like you talk about, we don't have to heal. You know, we don't have to do their work for them. Um, and yet, because I've been able to change my own like way to I mean this is not to say we don't ever yell at each other still (laughs) we definitely have those moments but I because I can have empathy for her in a way that I hadn't before 
then I'm able to release myself from her shit. Like I mm -hmm. can say, oh, that's about you. That's not about me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, you know, that's your stuff that you're dealing with. That's your anxiety. You're projecting it. Um, and then I can go a step further and actually like articulate that like almost to her. And, <laughs> and then, um, and lately, just in the last maybe year, I've then even been able to like give her permission to like do her own shit, right? Like I'll tell recently my mom, <laughs> she's going to maybe be mad I sing this on the podcast, but she is, so my dad's in She doesn't listen though, right? No, just she someone doesn't. Will come into the <laughs> someone shop. will tell her. Someone will tell her, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. My, my father's been passed away for eight years. It was the only partner my, my mom ever had but she's now been in this new relationship for that's the, part. That's um, the maybe part. <laughs> three, four years now. And they've kind of become committed. Whatever oh, you're, that you're means. totally giving the whole story. I love it. Um, and it was funny because my mom's really was expressing how nervous she was about what that means. And I was like, mom, you're in your sixties. You're not trying to have start a family or do nothing. I said, you get to define what commitment means to you and what it doesn't mean. And you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do in a commitment. And and that's the next level. What I mean, right, is this next level of of what I think mm -hmm. is communication is like because I've been able to define that for myself in my own relationship because mm -hmm. I released myself from her expectations then I can come back to her and be like, now you can create new expectations for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I've seen how our relationship has changed mm -hmm. over time. So in that, like, I don't have to do her work. I get to do my own work. But in getting to do my own work, I get to heal our relationship mm -hmm. and the ways that we yeah. communicate. And then hopefully it eventually ends up helping her do her own work, you know. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not going in to it with that investment you know yeah, yeah. like I'm not expecting her to do anything it's been quite beautiful to witness this you know I to witness the relationship I mean for the in the last few years I've seen this yeah. you know I think when you first told me like we just like yell it out you know and, <laughs> totally. I, and I was like oh okay um, um I think I think it worked for a bit because yeah. it was just that's just yeah. it was what it was that was all we had was to just argue it out I just think it's beautifully tremendous actually I just want yeah. to witness like be a witness of this relationship and I just think wow this is it's possible this is, well <laughs> I know I, I know. think it gets me into a place because I think with my parents I actually just be like I'm gonna walk away I'm gonna walk yeah. away you're gonna work on your own like and but I think where that's where family constellation is beautiful too because I do need the work of because it is it won't be with them it will yeah. be with with them um, with myself, with with the healing modalities, with whoever you know, I'm I'm working with to help um, understand what's not mine, you know, yeah, um, and what is mine, and um, and where I want to move forward, or where can I move forward into it? Yeah. My friend Eo, <laughs> she said one time, she said, you know, sometimes we think that doing other people's work for them is a shortcut but it just becomes a shortcut to hating people. <laughs> like, like so much resentment and disaster. Yeah. 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 I, I love the idea. I, I mean, 
this is, I think that is a cancer thing that we love to have something pretty to work at. Cause when you said I, I invest in this desk, same thing, this desk, actually my mom bought for me, I know my mom bought me this desk when I went into grad school and it was like my, cause I had graduated with my master's and I was going into my PhD program and it was like my graduation slash congratulations gift. And it was a pretty penny. Um, and I've, I've, I had it in storage for a really long time when I had kids because that was my most important baby. <laughs> and then when I moved into this house, I was like, I want my desk back. I mm -hmm. want, you know, and um, but when you talk about mm -hmm. the ancestors that go that like took it to a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, oh, there's this deeper energy beyond just the um, aesthetic, uh -huh. right? Because, and, and I've really been, I'm down for a good aesthetic. Like, I feel like that's my self-care. I want my my environment to look pretty and that makes me feel good and that makes... Sometimes it's the visual, but sometimes it's the energy, I think, too. Yeah. Right? That we're, you know, that you're talking so about. So I love when you say, and I, and I hadn't even thought about that, right? Like where the wood comes from and um, and the woodworker, like, like that, that just takes it to whole nother level and and also loving the way that that's defined as family right because we do a lot of ancestral work and people are often they get stuck in the if they don't know who their ancestors are or they don't like them or they don't like them we have to qualify and we're or, or expand expand the definition of ancestors like yeah, yeah who are the ancestors so i love that even like who is family right like that and even beyond just chosen family, but thinking, and you keep saying the field, right? Like the water and the earth. And yeah, again, that just, that makes everything just feel so different. I wonder how we're going to do this with our children. Sorry, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I want to go with this. I'm like, how do I, um, and maybe that's the next step. And that would be a beautiful step. You know, I, I think I've been wanting to work with Minaji more. So I was like, maybe I'll just work in then. So future. then I, you know, what comes to me too is um, you're talking about, so there's always, just like there's these ongoing conversations around nonviolent communication, there's these ongoing conversations about intergenerational healing, right? And so um, you're saying that we don't have to do the healing work for them. So then what is intergenerational healing if it's not it's a good one. doing the work for mm. our ancestors? Don't we often hear that like, oh, we're healing ourselves so that we heal our ancestors. Yeah. And what I'm hearing from you is maybe a different framing of that. And I would love for you to maybe speak to that. I think it's a really subtle difference where – Yes, when we're doing it's like that very subtle difference about like mm. I'm so I'm not a parent, right? But like I know that one of the things that is important for parents is to have some degree of self-care because your children need the best version of you. Mm -hmm. They don't actually need necessarily all of your attention all the time, even though it feels that way, right? Your children mm -hmm. need the best version of mm -hmm. you. And so then it's the question of when you're doing that, are you doing that just so that your kids can have a good parent or are you really invested in your well-being and trust that the ripple effect is that your kids are gonna, you know, have benefits that your friend relationships, that your partner, you know, that everybody, that the ripple effect of like, mm -hmm. if I am showing up as the best version of me, then everybody gets something good. And I think about it like, 
the scene from when Harry met Sally, right? <laughs> like, it's like that. It's like I picture the ancestors at a snack bar. And like when you sit down and have a good snack, like the ancestors are like, yo, I'll have whatever she's having. And then like people start doing their own work. <laughs> I, love that. I love that. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. I was thinking, I went to my Abuela Rose. She's buried, oh gosh, in one of these cemeteries. I have like it. And I went to her grave one time and I said, you know, because there's a long, long stories of um, toxic relationships with toxic masculinity in, in our family. And I was just like, I am not going to do that. I'm not going to put up with that anymore. It stops here with me, you know, like. Um, and so I've tried to be true to that, you know, moving forward. So that's how I would say that. But, um, I love the idea, like it's our joy, you know, and stepping into our pleasure and like who we are that kind of also creates the generational healing back and forward. This is why I'm back in Southern California. I wanted Jaguar to know the the, the me that was here, that is here, you know, which mm. is a little different in, um, in the Pacific Northwest, you know. I wanted to love dancing, love, you know, all, all, all of our things, you yeah. know. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I, I hear it's it's about the intention because I, what I heard you say was that if we're just doing self-care so we can be the best version for our kids, but the intention then is still about them versus are we doing it for mm -hmm. ourselves and then it becomes a ripple effect. And I've often had to catch myself when when my kids were younger and I was had to go back to work, you know, after so much time with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, even now, sometimes they'll be like, I just want to be with you all day, mommy. <laughs> and I'm like, mm. and I, I used to get into the what my mom would tell me is I go to work so I can put a roof over our head. Mm -hmm. And so I can put, you know, all these things. And mm -hmm. I used to say that and I caught myself one time being like, well, yeah, that's like the bare minimum, right? That's what we should be doing for our kids. And then I started reframing it and to say that um, I go to work because I love what I do. And um, and I would say, one, I want you to eventually love wh whatever it is that you choose to do. But I also, it helps me feel good. So then when I am with you, I like that, like I'm, I'm being, I'm a better mom when I get to go do the things that I love. Or when they would say, because when my husband and I go on date night, they would be like, can we go on date night with you? <laughs> and I would try to tell them, like, it's important for mommy and daddy to have time for ourselves together, you know, as a as a couple. Mm -hmm. Again, so that when we come back and we're a family, we're bringing, you know, that love that we, you know, established long before they were born, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it's like, so that makes sense when you're saying it's that we're not trying to heal so that our ancestors can heal. We're healing and then hoping that the byproduct mm -hmm. of our own healing is that they too are invested in healing. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And I might even say not even hoping, but just trusting, mm. just trusting when I do my own work, it becomes easier for everybody else to do theirs. And my work doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be stressful. And a lot of my work is to not do everybody else's shit. Like to, again, just like trust, we can each do our own thing and it will be okay. It's letting go of that illusion of control, like that we could curate the future or curate healing, you know, or, or know what it is or 
Like, I think we're so used to thinking a couple steps ahead out of like (laughs) survival, (laughs) some strong narratives, you know, that we grew up with, but it's saying we can't, we can only just know like what is, you know, meeting our needs, what is like feeling good in my body, what is, you know, right? And I love when you say that the work should be, how you said, right? Like the, yeah, that's where we've been. Our energy is like, we're leading with joy, (laughs) right? Like what makes us feel good? And and I've even been doing that um, as a professor. I've really been trying to, I think there was, there was a time when I was like, starting to have this resentment towards work and something that I have, you know, I do love doing what I do, but when I started noticing, I wasn't really feeling it. I was like, Ooh, it's time to change because I can't control. I can't change my career outright right now, but I can change the way I do my work. (laughs) Right. That's what I I do have control over. So I really sat at the beginning of the semester and was like, how can I bring the joy back into what I do um, in a way that feels good. And I've actually been very transparent even with my students about that, right? Like that's why the workload is less for them (laughs) because it's less, because I'm trying to make it less for me, for myself. And why, you know, there's just different ways in which I've structured, you know, my semester so that it feels, you know, like it's, it's fun again. Um, and I, the way I've framed it for them coming back to even decolonization is that this is my way of decolonizing the way that the university puts these standards and expectations on us, right? They say you have to go to class twice a week and you have to do eight, you know, all this amount of work and you have to do this work in, in, in a certain way in order to meet these, you know, the criteria of whatever. And I'm kind of like, no, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to do that. And I've been very transparent with them and saying, this is, you know, when I talk about decolonization in my classes, I'm doing it both in the content and the form of how we're, how we're doing this semester. Like how we're doing it is, you know, an, an attempt at decolonization in and of itself. Um, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, we're not going to have class every time, you know, we're not going to meet face to face every single time. Um, because that would, you know, it, I, it's about qu- uh, quality versus quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to get the best of me if I, you know, structure in this way versus if I just try to grind my way, mm-hmm. you know, through the semester. Um, I was like, Virgo son, my Virgo son is really <laughs> having like, just, I just realized I get so caught up and just in grind the grind, you oh. know, like so much. But also, this makes so much sense of why y'all are such a power couple because <laughs> Virgos and Cancers, Virgos, power couple. Wow. Really? I, yeah. I mean, I we know that we know that, but tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like see it over and over. Like so many of my very good friends are yeah. Virgo sons, and yeah, there's is like Carissa a Cancer. I don't know. I'll try to think of because Leslie's a Virgo like uh-huh. me. Um, yeah. And I find myself surrounded by Virgos mm-hmm. as a Cancer. Like my cousin is my best friend. She's a Virgo. Like, yeah, Leslie's a Virgo. And you're super dependable. Friends, although you sent me that meme. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like because I mean, and I'm a triple water sign, right? So oh. I, yeah, 
a cancer sun and moon and Pisces rising. Wow. So I'm, I'm just this like, like, you know, like water floating, you know, in itself. And so I feel like Virgos um, give me a container. Mm-hmm. I feel like Vir- Virgos give me that structure that I need or I would be just a blob floating around, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. um, and, and so I think that's like, there's this innate attraction to Virgos to give me mm-hmm. that like grounding. But my Gemini rising is a wild card. Like it's totally <laughs> like, like, what was the meme you sent me? Like, oh, Virgos are very stereo. They have all this earth energy mm-hmm. and then this like random, like gem and they're like, oh, it's cause they have Gemini rising. Oh yeah. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta that's get out. I gotta go somewhere. I gotta try something new. Curiosity. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I am so grateful, um, for, for the story too. I think I, I didn't know, um, and this is just obviously just a, like a little bit of, of your story. And it's so beautiful to hear how you came into, how you listened. And I think that's something that we don't have to talk about astrology that much, but cancers, I just think you're such an inspiration, like. And maybe it's like your heart, your emotions, like they're, they're there, right? I just, I just changed therapist because I didn't cry in my first three therapy sessions. And I thought, <laughs> oh, if I can't cry in my first three therapy sessions, they are not getting under the Virgo, you know, like they're not getting past the When she told air. me that, I was like, oh, that's your, that's your standard for a good therapist. Do they make you cry? <laughs> um. I think that's the gift. There's this gift of, of intuition. It's a very watery gift, you know, I yeah. think. Um, well, it's interesting, like, when you were saying to Minachi that, you know, why I think I was so drawn to when you were talking about the desk and the energy that's in the field, because as a Cancer, as a triple water sign, I feel everything. Mm-hmm. And because I feel everything and we live in a world that doesn't want us to feel I I find it really hard to handle my feelings. Like I get frustrated when I'm any little thing triggers me and I go like we always talk about our spirals, right? Like we're calling each other, I'm spiraling and we're trying to like help each other out and I and I get resentful of the fact that I feel everything. Mm-hmm. I really get like I don't want to feel anything. And so I, 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 we know how to disassociate really well. We know where to go in our heads. You know, as a cancer, I'm supposed to be able to cry, but, and I do, but I know how to not cry. Mm. I know how to, how to, my, my cousin who's a Virgo and she cries all the time. She, when my father passed away and I, I read his eulogy and she was like, how did you do it without crying? And I was like, I just knew where to go in my head. I knew I knew what to turn off to just stay. Be, and it wasn't, It's. I don't think it's a good thing. It was just, I knew how to turn it off. And I'm at a point in my life where I don't want to do that anymore. Like I don't want to disassociate. So then it becomes this battle of like feeling everything mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and then not wanting to feel everything. So when you're talking about this desk, I get nervous about that. Like even this whole family <sighs> constellation work, I'm like, oh God, I'm going to have to feel body sensations. Like I get really nervous about mm-hmm. doing that because- I was telling my therapist, she wants to do EMDR with me. And I'm like, I'm scared that I'm going to get stuck mm. there. Yeah. So what would you say to that? Because like, I- <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to get stuck in the 
in the abyss, you know, yeah. cause it, yeah. it's very easy for me to, I know how to get to the point of feeling. It's the like getting not out of that, but then, or through it. Like, how do I get, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think that's really valid. And I think it's why a lot of us don't want to do certain, cause it's like the terror of, we know how bad it is down there and the terror of being stuck mm-hmm. there. And Because also if we've never gone swimming in those, how do I trust that I can get out? Also, how do I trust that like this practitioner, like, you don't know what I'm like when I flail, (laughs) I'll pull you down, (laughs) you know? Um, And I, Uh I'm noticing like, I don't have, I don't think I, I don't, there's, it's almost like there's an answer. I can feel something underneath in my body. There's something there, but I don't have it in words yet. And I probably won't have it in words by the time, you know, this call ends. But um, I think. hmm. Can I offer something that that was coming to me? I don't want to interrupt, but I, because I listen, I want to listen for that magic, but I also understand when you're like, I was thinking about disassociation as maybe one of those, um, things that isn't, isn't ours, you know, um, that it comes from, you know, the, the family lineage or whatnot, mm-hmm. um, or it comes from a colonial, you know, um, well, it's, a, it's definitely a coping and a survival mechanism of colonization, right? Like mm-hmm. how, how do you, how do generations, of colonized people survive if they don't disassociate. And then all this fear around, you know, both like disassociating or feeling too much, like thinking, maybe thinking of those is not like, you know, ours either. Like they come from a different, Mm. Because I think I would, I would feel both responsible in in that space. Oh, I I would feel like, um, instead of um, taking the responsibility further back or taking the risk, you know, seeing myself in the context of a larger story. I don't know if that's helpful, but that's what it, it kind of occurred to me as you were mm-hmm. talking. I thought, I like the word constellation, actually, Aquarius moon. You know, I just love, <laughs> you know, thinking of of us with the stars, with like this interconnected, this web of interconnectedness, you know, and sometimes um seeing it within this framework instead of the net the you know the web instead of like the ladder you know can really yeah. help just even that image like ha- as it impacts you know our story or the ways in which we feel or don't feel our our emotions you know mm-hmm. i too am terrified about like being in a really like depressed state like mm-hmm. that and maybe particularly as a parent because and as a single parent, like so responsible. So I, I don't, mm. I don't know how to go. Or as a, you know, I don't know, we're going to speak at this conference, right? About women or mothers as like <laughs> the head of the household, basically, you know, like there is just a lot that's going yeah. on. It does feel like that. Like we can't go that deep because we still have shit to do. <laughs> we still have to be moms. And we like, if we have a mental breakdown, the entire family breaks down and so it feels it does feel much like yeah not only do we are we afraid to go there because but it almost feels like 
um, it's almost irresponsible because mm. we have so many response, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh no, we can't go there because we've got to make, and, and which then reminds me of like my mom, of course she didn't go to therapy and deal with stuff because she didn't have time when she's just trying to make sure we're living a life, you know, like, so again, putting that, that other person's, you know, she was like putting her own stuff aside. And so, you know, yeah, she became the queen of disassociation because she had the responsibility and she was the oldest of six. So she had responsibility since the time she was the child, you know, I mean, I might've, you know, ditched my therapist too fast. <laughs> like maybe I was like, I only have, you know, an you know hour. When, when, when this is my, like, I feel like, so you and Priscilla, right. The two, the two Virgos, oh, yeah. really strong Virgos in my life. I have learned like sometimes it's just, that's just your Virgo. Like, come, I just like, I'm like, yeah, that's just part of their Virgo quirks when they have these like expectations. I want to be efficient. I need to be efficient with my and, time. That's and I'm like, okay, thing. that sounds good. If you need an interpret, just go for it. <laughs> What's your Venus in again? You just said my it. Venus Gemini. In Gemini. Mm, I gotta yeah. explore that one. Um. Anyway, well, I think that we're coming so up much. to our time, but I want to just give a yeah any space for anything else that you want to say about. Mm family constellation therapy and then of course tell us how we can work with you or how mm -hmm. anyone can work with you mm -hmm. i think maybe the thing i'll say to close which kind of ties to this last bit was something christina that you said of like there has to be something better than this right like the reason why we go into a big motivation to do any healing work is because where we are we've like finally decided it's just not good enough and what I would invite and encourage for folks who are feeling nervous about like going into it, because what happens if everything falls apart mm. is just go slow, dip your mm. toes in, read a book, listen to a podcast like this. Po your podcast is so incredibly healing. You know what I mean? Like the nervous system gets reset in a million different ways just by listening to people's experiences and stories. So just trusting that the pace you're going at is the right pace and that it, you know, that that can be enough. Yeah. Ugh. That feels so good. Mm -hmm. I feel anytime mm -hmm. we do stuff mm -hmm. like this, we're mm -hmm. like, this is the church we needed mm -hmm. <laughs> as, mm -hmm. as young youngins. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us where people can find you, yeah. how they can work with you. Yeah. Any All offerings coming up? Mm, okay, so my website is real easy. It's minachi.com, which is my name, and then Instagram, which is with.minachi. And then there's a wide way that people can work with me. One is obviously one-on-one -on -one sessions, um, but I also have practice groups and those are my, I think practice groups are my love language, like to just mm -hmm. come and sit in circle with each other mm -hmm. and really, really just practice the skills. We meet monthly and those are a really beautiful space, but there's a bunch of different ways and also like recordings that you can watch if that's like yeah. a gentle way in. Um, so if you pop over to my website, you'll find all of those things. Love. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And... Yeah, any any last words for us? <laughs> Thanks for having me. I really 
admire and love the work that you do. So thanks for being here and doing it. Thank Mm. you. Okay, we're going to close out. Intro and outro song is called Foreign Fog by The Corner House, a band that features our dear friend, Danelia Arechica. Vengo a trabajar.